the Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans. A shining download online. All alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting. The year the Introcast War came upon us all. This is the story of the Babylon 5 Introcast. The year was 2014. The show down below. Oh, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm in. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Well, today we are pleased to be joined by a first-time guest, but a veteran Babylon 5 fan. Say hello to Erica. Hi, Erica. Hi. Hello, Erica. Hi, guys. I'm really glad to be here today. Oh, glad to have you. Yeah. So tell us how you came to know this little show called Babylon 5. Well, I've been watching it since, well, since it came on. Like, I was nine years old, and, like, one day this random show came on. Like, we had just gone to, like, the flea market, and we come home, and I just saw that, ooh, science fiction. And so I was a Star Trek fan from since I was a little kid. So I said, more yeah. sci-fi is more better. And so I watched <laughs> that. And actually, on that day, it was The Gathering and this wow. show called Time Tracks. And oh, I watched I both of, that, yeah. of those back to back. If it was a cheesy mid 90s science fiction series, I watched it and I mostly loved it. Mostly. <laughs> <Both. laughs> well, 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 of them, weren't there? Oh, yes. Uh, if it, like, I remember they had this action pack thing and like they would have Xena and Hercules and uh, Man and Machine and all of these truly terrible series. But, but, I was a star uh, science fiction fan, and so that was kind of what I had to watch. So, yeah. yeah. Well, is, in, um, over here in the UK, we also had a lot of repeats of a lot of 60s sci-fi as well, like um, Time Tunnel, isn't it? Um, and um, Land of the Giants. Yes, yes, I know. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I get the idea. And you watched the show um, for all five seasons? All five seasons. Nice. From so beginning to end. Very good. Oh. Like I was from nine to fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Formative years on a show like this. That must have been something. Yeah, but see, uh, it was something I said in uh, on Facebook was that I was kind. I'm kind of annoyed that I watched all of this when I was a kid because a lot of the things I see now is like, oh yeah, that's. They are there. You set that up from the beginning. And I just think, oh, man, I wish I hadn't been this little unformed blob of nothing. Then I probably yeah. would have gotten it. Like, yeah. this is so obvious to adult me. But then again, child me and adult me, they just they have similar tastes, except for adult me understands more things. Yeah. yeah and sometimes in retrospect, though, it's, it's obvious, but maybe not when you're watching it the first time, even if. I'm giving us excuses if we if we miss yeah, right, yeah. stuff, huh? Yeah, Hold on, you guys are great. <laughs> I'm, it's like I have to stop myself from like cheering you on when you get some right. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Is this the first yep. time you're rewatching it? No, no, I rewatched it in about 2008. Okay, 
I think again in 2010. Okay. Every few years, I'll get into the mood to watch like some show that was part of my childhood. So yeah. Just out of interest, do you did you ever watch Crusade? Yes, yes, I did. I watched Crusade. I don't remember okay. anything about that show, but I watched it <laughs> every time it came on. Okay. Because I uh, loved um, the show called American Gothic, and Gary Cole was on there, and so oh, I remember every, that. I loved it. I want to see that. Child on that was just oh, Lucas Black, I loved him so much. I still love him. I'm not enough to watch NCIS, but I still love him. And he's from <laughs> Alabama, so yeah. I don't think I've heard of American Gothic. Oh, you should really seek that out. It was really oh, good. Oh, it, it's it's brilliant. It's very dark and sometimes very surreal. You huh. would be surprised that was a network show sometimes. Oh, wow. Maybe they have not it on like, Netflix. Can't, oh, no, no. I think it's on Hulu, maybe. Oh, Hulu, okay. I would be surprised if someone did an intro cast for it at some point. Oh, they should. I would love to see that happen. I want to say this podcast I used to listen to called Axe did it. They cover canceled TV shows. I want to say they did an episode about American Gothic. Mm -hmm. Some people from Mississippi State did that show, my alma mater. (laughs) Today we are here to discuss episode seven of season two, Soulmates. But first, here's an ISN special report. Good evening, viewers. This is your ISN Weekly Gossip Roundup. A little birdie tells us that Centauri Ambassador Londo Malari is having quite the week. During his 30-year Ascension Anniversary Bash, this hostess with the mostest was hit with a booby-trapped gift that landed him in the hospital. And from one of his wives, no less. Well, can't say we blame her if the rumors about the divorce are true. We hear Timoff is the last woman left standing. Who knew those crazy kids would make it work? In our weekly Delenn hair watch, it seems the old gals finally found some conditioner and a comb. She was looking lovely at Ambassador Malari's shindig, and we thought the only solution was a blowtorch and wig. Finally, a retraction on our story about ex-Psycor and traitor Matt Stoner. It turns out that he is a stand-up guy, and all reports about his troubles on Babylon 5 were complete fabrications made by rival traders. We thank Mr. Stoner for the one-on-one interview, and we apologize. Toodles! Soulmates originally aired December 14, 1994. JMS jokingly said that this was basically their Christmas episode because of when it aired and it was kind of a (laughs) perverse. (laughs) Also known as the Tim Off experience. Uh, the Timor. Uh, I'm losing my word because <laughs> she's so awesome. I know. I love her so much. I'm trying to restrain myself. That's it. The Timor, <laughs> spectacular, extravagant. <laughs> that is quite good. Quite good. Their original title was Pestilence, Famine, and Death. Remember that's how he referred <laughs> yes. to his wives. <laughs> yes, that would have been awesome. Yeah, he's actually got an explanation of all three of them on the Lurkers Guide. Yes. Daguerre yeah, is well. pestilence, Timov is famine, and Marielle is death. That's very appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking in my mind. <laughs> I was thinking about those. Okay. I can see the death one. The pestilence could be either of the other two. 
<laughs> the episode was directed by John C. Flynn III, who last directed TKO. Ah, uh, that was uh, a great one, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a step up. Yeah, it was. The episode was written by Peter David. I think Peter David is mostly famous as a comic book writer. He did a 12-year run on The Incredible Hulk, and he's writing something that I'm reading now. I just can't remember what it is. But They're just saying Peter David is like one of my favorite writers. Yeah, he's written Star Trek comic books and Nickelodeon shows. He co-created a show called Space Cases on Nickelodeon. I do not know any of this stuff. I think I watched that, but that was ages and ages ago, so my memory is a little poor. (laughs) So let's get on to the recap. Uh, Yeah, this is another one of those times where I just had trouble getting the DVD to play, even though it was scratch-free. I went through, like, five different DVD-playing devices in here, and... Probably got it to work on my work laptop, so I just had to power through the episode, so my notes might not be as detailed as normal. Yeah. I was kind of getting frustrated with these DVDs, but I have to replace them all. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. see a scratch on it. But it's not, I don't think it's the DVD, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the episode begins with Veer practicing his greeting for somebody, Garibaldi kind of gives him a hard time about it. Veer explains he's there to pick up. Um, Londo's three wives, and the first one enters Timov, God yeah. of Al Ghul. My first note is, it's Timov! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yay! <laughs> Which is mine, but. In case you didn't notice, Timov is vomit backwards. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nobody's. No, I did yeah. not. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. And, um, yeah, she's the daughter of Al Ghul, which, um, Trying to find the right note in the Lurkage Guide, but it's yeah, not it's, just um, the whole thing referenced to Razal Gul, but there's also, um, in Arabic, it means the demon. Oh, okay. Somebody's having fun with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Timov is played by Jane Carr. I don't. Um, Heidi, I think you said you recognized her. I did. I recognized her voice, actually. Um, She was in a couple episodes of Gilmore Girls, and she was like this, the the person that would come to the rich grandparent's house and tell the grandmother what to wear to special events. And she like, you know, really high society and dressed all these famous people. And, and yeah, I just recognized her voice and, uh, and kind of got excited to see her. I remember her from a like series from the I think it was mid eighties called Dear John. I remember yes, she was I on that. I, remember, I used to I watch that. I think she was in the prime of Miss Jean Brody as a younger woman. Yeah. Which as she was on Phineas and Ferb and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. She's awesome. She's got Tim Moss got some attitude. She yeah, yeah. She'd be taking. I do love her. Yeah, Uh, right from the very start, you know you're going to love this character, and um, I mean just the whole concept of three wives having well, as Garibaldi puts it, a hari, but it's not exactly is it? Um, it, but it's very Centauri, isn't it? It's got that whole. Imperial feel that whole Romanesque 
vibe to it. Well, it's status conscious. I mean, you have arranged marriages to keep, I guess, the higher classes together. And yeah, definitely. I always wonder, though, when you have these situations where there's multiple wives, like, are there just single men out there, like single rich men that never have any wives because the other, all the rich women are taken <laughs> by these guys that have multiple wives? Well, that or you make sure that you have plenty of children and perhaps, we don't know, Centauri might have genetic hair engineering so they have one son to carry on the family line and three or four daughters to marry off. Yeah, could be, yeah. Me. But we just simply don't know at the moment. Next, we see Garibaldi watching an argument. Some guy's upset with another dude. We find out that this other dude is Matthew Stoner. And all of a sudden, that guy isn't upset with Matthew Stoner anymore. He leaves, and Garibaldi kind of follows Stoner out. Heidi, did you recognize him right away? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. His voice is so distinctive. No, right. I, who is he? Well, we because we watch Angel, and so he plays it has a a yeah, pretty big guest role on Angel. Oh. Uh, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. I haven't watched Angel since it was on the air, so I might have to look him up. I mean, he's been around. Yeah, my note uh, on this is Garibaldi's Garibaldi since tingled because it seems like he just <laughs> turned, like. He knew something was about to happen, so he just went, <laughs> and turned to look That's at Matt right. Stoner. Yeah, uh, and of course, my note for this is it's Stoner frowny face. He's <laughs> <laughs> kind of the worst. Uh, Stoner's played by Keith. Pretty sure I'm not going to say this right, Sarah Boschka. And don't because... say the role he has in Angel. We don't want to spoil anyone, but he is in Angel. Yeah, and he's done some voice work, like on video games, and he's in Star Wars Rebels, which I think just started this weekend. He has a very, very distinctive voice. I mean, it's like, it's a very unusual voice. And I'm, I don't know if it's partly the way he pronounces things, like, he, I know it's very smooth, kind of, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He just sounds so smarmy and skeevy to me that he I does. <laughs> that is what those words sound like in my head to me, like... Smarmy, skeevy, untrustworthy. You know, yeah, from the first moment he opens his mouth. Oh, yeah. Garibaldi goes to report this to Sheridan. He recognized uh, Stoner, who's a freelance navigator, part-time trader, and his instincts just told him that something was wrong. He doesn't like that. Yeah, uh, as you said, his uh, Garibaldi sense. Yeah, because in this universe, you know, we in this world-building... We know, people know that there are people that have these extrasensory abilities. So it is conceivable that, you know, whatever could have been going on there was, you know, that. So there's definitely a reason that he would have been like, this is weird. Yeah. And this is when Talia enters. She tells Sheridan that she thinks he settled in nicely, like anybody asked her. And. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My note is that she should have yelled first since she's, you know, the first person to say this among many. Yeah, before I remember that this was like an ongoing thing, I was like, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Nobody asked her what she did. 
he um well he wanted to talk to Talia about some rumors regarding the Psycor and tells Garibaldi they can talk about Stoner later. Talia recognizes that name because she was married to him. And then we have the opening credits. Yeah, oh it's another Talia episode, isn't it, Will? Yeah. They're great. Oh, <laughs> wow. My favorites. Uh and um Sheridan never gets around to um asking about that cycle rumor. It, while I was watching it, I did wonder, is that something that ever comes up again? Or is it just, you know, just a throwaway line there? Don't remember. And they can't really say they, because that would be spoiling <laughs> us. Yes, yes, good. He said it was something about the Psychor net, so I guess that's, I don't know what that is, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. After the credits, Londo's having a good time telling jokes, buying drinks for everybody. I think it was JMS who said that Peter Jurisic was just having the time of his life in this episode. You can kind of tell <laughs> he was feel like he was having fun. Yeah. Especially the scene where he's his wives are arguing and he's like, yeah, keep going. <laughs> I love that moment. We see Beer trying to placate Tim Ob in Londo's quarters. Uh, they don't know where Londo is, and Daguerre enters. Uh, Veer apologizes for missing her earlier, and Daguerre and Timov go at it a little. Some verbal sparring. Yeah, some good stuff. Good yeah, lines. yeah. yeah. There are a lot of good lines in this episode. It's actually a really nice idea to stagger the introduction of the wives as well, because we get introduced to each of them in turn, and get a taste of their personality before we get into anything else. Because uh-huh. it, it, it's clear that the girl is political schema and she's very much into the whole court politics thing and probably before she even arrives knows what um, what's it Londo's about to do to them. Yes. Timoff says as much later. Yeah. Yeah. Diagara is played by Lois Nettleton. She's won two Emmys. She's had like Tony nominations and she was on Crossing Jordan. Okay. I couldn't quite grasp her personality. It was kind of a little bit here, a little bit there for me. Um, no, a lot, yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with she's putting on this face, this persona all the way through the episode until the last scene, basically, because it's all about personality for her. um, It's all about that. Sorry, not personality. It's all about presenting the best face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's good that you can't get a read on her because she might be good, but she's not a great politician like Nando is. So we as an audience, we're on the level that Londo is. We can see through this facade, but we can't quite see the real her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we see Talia looking at an exhibit of Earth artifacts. Wait, are, is there no oh. guitars in the future? <laughs> the way she I is stroking that is just sort of creepy. It's like... Yeah. Yes, I've never seen this before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's only a couple hundred years, I guess. 
Uh, maybe it's that specific make. Maybe it's a very... Or it's a famous guitar that belonged to a celebrity somewhere and they've managed to grab it for the B5 Museum. Mm. And it, the way she's touching it, oh, I'm close to this star. Oh, wow. You shouldn't yeah. touch things in museums. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. But wasn't there also a mixer in the background? Something like that. Oh, was there? Let's- yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then later on in the same museum, I think you've got um, those Membari instruments. Oh, uh, is right. that what that was? Those triangles on the wall? Yeah, oh, of the... course it was. Of course it was triangle. <laughs> yeah. So I this is seen a triangle a... and immediately thought Membari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, these seem to be a musical museum of some type. Okay, because there was a sign on the wall that said "20th Century." That's the only sign I saw. Yeah, uh, so I, I think sure. that might be part of the museum, you know. Hey, it's an exhibition on 20th century, um, what's it, instruments. Uh, another part of the museum, mem- the Membari section. Just a load of triangle instruments all over the place. <laughs> and a human triangle just thrown in <laughs> there. because triangle. Someone... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they also had a little statue that had the same kind of silhouette as the um, Centauri artifact. Uh, ah. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Uh. Let's miss that. Talia tells Sheridan that it's none of his business, but he said it is his concern as the station's commander. He considers her a friend or at least an ally, so he's willing to listen. Yeah, how, what did you make of Talia in, in this scene, Will? Because this is almost typical of uh, the sort of thing you don't like about her, I think. Yeah, I, was, I don't know if I should say what I think. Oh, <laughs> wait, what? what she was what just was... being abrasive, or no? Just... I think she. I always thought that was kind of appropriate because to me, it really wasn't any of his business. Yeah, that's a very. Uh, but I also like yeah. that he was considerate enough to care what was going on with her. I love Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> it must be for some stuff that he does after this. I don't know. When I was little, I used to watch reruns of Scarecrow and Mystic King when I came home uh, from school. So I was already in love with Bruce Boxleitner. Okay. So, I'm sure you must have seen Tron at some point as well. I have, but I do not remember it. And I remember not liking that. Yeah, it's easy to forget Tron. <laughs> it's, it's so very easy. I still yes. haven't quite warmed up to Sheridan. I mean, it's not like I don't like him, but I don't like him. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it's not like you, you dislike him. It's just right. that you don't He's like just him. Yeah. I can see that. Although this whole plot line with Talia is they just feel like they're trying to flesh her character out a bit that she's been in the background a lot and now they're trying to show more of her and, you know, try to come up with some conflict a reason to have her on the show because in you know this sort of plot line is something straight out of season one where a character from one of the crew's past comes to the station what are you talking about that's been the majority of season two so far yes <laughs> they should just lock the door to so. anyone who... <laughs> um but I know what they could do with Talia's character maybe go into what they've already set up and deal with that well, that would make sense. Yeah. You mean the Ironheart thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, I guess that they're focusing more on her because we're kind of going with a Psy 
going a little bit on the psi thing now. Um, the psychor. Yeah, so maybe that's why they're focusing more on her. Yeah, that's great. They're making up for not having her around much in season one by giving us two episodes in a row. To be fair, <laughs> most of the rest of my notes on this storyline with Steiner and Talia is just skipping the Steiner plot line. Skipping the Steiner plot line. <laughs> I think that's an appropriate reaction. So this next scene is one of my favorites. <laughs> Ivanova goes oh. to visit Delin in her quarters, and Delin's having a bad hair day because her hair won't cooperate, and <laughs> Ivanova reluctantly agrees to help. Well, to be fair, Susan does have fabulous hair. Yes, she does. She does. She does. She's a good person to ask. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a lovely scene. Yeah, I I like it, because you think about it, and it's like, okay, really, if... You never had hair. You would have no idea what to do with it. Because it can be unmanageable. <laughs> oh, yes. and especially if you don't wash the same way humans do. Right, yeah. I don't see how people with lots of hair do it. I mean, I've worn a wig before and it just was constantly getting in my <laughs> eyes. And it was just annoying the hell out of me. <laughs> For like Halloween? Um, What was I wearing it for? I think I was just... I got like an Afro wig once and once <laughs> like in school we were acting out it once we were in school we were acting out scenes from a book so I had to wear a blonde wig. <laughs> I, was, I was dressed as a woman. Oh, <laughs> I wish I had pictures of that. <laughs> Actually I may have a picture of that somewhere. I'll have to look for it. <laughs> right, it'll go up with you. That's going in the in the episode, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um uh, yeah, it's, it's just so rare to this point, especially to have Delenn in a comedy plot line. And with right. a, her dynamic with Ivanova is great, and it's really refreshing. I love it. I love the way she holds out the brush. She looks so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> she does. And we get a very, very small insight that really we don't want to hear more about about how Barry keeps himself cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of them didn't want to hear about it either. <laughs> yeah. That was a good cut off. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someone's had the same reaction we had to the over explanation of um, membari reproductive systems and things like that. Hmm. Did we yeah. get that explanation? Well, we got some of it, didn't we? We got the details on um, Londo's te- uh, tentacle. Oh, Londo's, yes. Centauri. Okay, Centauri. you said membari. We were like, yes. what? I thought what? I said Centauri. <laughs> well, yeah, those words always trip me up if I'm not thinking. Yeah, yeah. That's why we were very confused. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did I'm I say? Like, I don't remember that. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Next, Talia explains that Stoner was assigned to her in her first year to help oversee her training, and the Psychor decided that they were genetically compatible and put them together. They were married long enough to decide it was a mistake. Stoner left the core soon after, and Psychor had their marriage annulled, and he was able to get out because he had connections. So we basically have two stories about arranged marriages and people being unhappy in them. 
Soulmates, yes. yeah. That's very unsettling once when you think about it. Sycar is increasingly creepy and disturbing. And especially the reasons for pairing them. Yes. They wanted to create stronger telepaths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But and isn't that... Sorry? Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Elizabeth. I mean, that's essentially the same reason that you have arranged marriages in the Centauri, is not to make Psy people, but to keep the bloodlines, right? Mm-hmm. To keep... To concentrate power. Yeah. Yeah, but this is almost like genetically engineering children in a way like they're trying to make them better genetically better oh where yeah, the, where the centauri are really just trying to keep the bloodlines pure i mean not saying that it's not bad but um but it is slightly different it's yeah, different we... but at the same time to me it's pretty much the same i mean Although... if you're going to what's to me there's not really i'm not saying it's bad or good or whatever. I'm just saying it's basically the same thing. You're trying to keep, you know, you're trying to create the kind of offspring that you want, basically. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. It's still uh, by chance what you actually end up getting, but uh, although they're you're manipulating to, it in a way, to yeah, help. yeah, you're manipulating the odds. And I wouldn't be surprised that cycle forbids anyone of P one or two rating for even having children. Oh. Hmm. Really? Never thought about that. You know, it's kind of, or you're only allowed to have children with someone of a higher P rating than yourself. Hmm. Hmm. There must be something like that going on. I was trying to make a Harry Potter reference, like mudbloods and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> crossed they, my mind. You, yeah, yes, they yeah. wouldn't allow them breeding with mundanes. They really wouldn't. Hmm. That is uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they... I, I don't know. Going as far as to tell people they can have children, I don't know what the gain from that would be. But um, but yeah, definitely pairing people. Yeah. Next, Jakar is asking Sheridan how he's settling in. <laughs> uh, Sheridan wonders why everybody's asking him that, and Jakar makes a reference to what happened to the previous commander. Yeah, I'm glad they yeah. mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that moment. Yeah. And of course, no one else knows the Mumbari um, reasons for doing it. <laughs> yeah. He thinks something's going on, Jakar does, and whenever bizarre things occur, it gives him a headache. What was this headache subplot? I didn't understand. Were we supposed Just... to be getting some kind of inference from that? I think it was an ongoing joke more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Humor. That's very... It seems like something from a um, some of Peter David's other works, that sort of humor, just a little random subplot. Because it seems like um, Lundo knows this about Dakar and he's playing on it several times. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Lundo comes along and he asks Sheridan if he's settled in. <laughs> and he ends up complimenting Dakar, which makes his head hurt. <laughs> And next we go to Londo's quarters. His wives are impatient. Daguerre and Timoff, they're verbally sparring when Londo arrives. And he summoned them because tomorrow is the 30th anniversary of his ascension. And his star is rising. Emperor gave him the gift, any one gift that, that was in his power to grant. So Londo wants to revol- divorce. What is ascension? Emperor- Sorry, what is ascension? We're not told in the episode what it is. 
Okay, but, just... yeah. It, I'm not sure. Maybe it's it. Maybe it's the day when you're appointed to the royal court in some position. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of. I don't know. That's kind of what I thought is like. Maybe when he, I don't know, got his position of power or something. Okay. The emperor requested Lando keep one wife for state events and such. So Lando's going to pick one to keep by the next day. You kind of see that Lando's really enjoying this. <laughs> you, yes. you know what's actually kind of bad about this he, do you remember back a couple of episodes when he was talking to Lord Reefer and what he was talking about then no mm-hmm. you're going to have to remind mm-hmm. me he was I don't starting remember who to get, yeah he was talking with a, uh, another centauri about a plot to get rid of the emperor okay oh, vaguely yeah. remember yeah so he's just got a favour from the emperor the very emperor he's started to plot his the fall of and um, isn't this the same emperor that they were talking about in the first season as being like missing or not c- coming out into the open yeah the, it yeah. doesn't um do much but i think it's uh, just that he's old and he hasn't been seen in public very often yeah like, i believe his uh, i believe his son died yeah his son did die recently yes and that's why um, Reefer wants to take the opportunity to get rid of the Emperor, because there's no clear line of succession. So Londo's just taking wishes from everybody. I mean, he's just, yeah. anybody asks him to make a wish, he'll <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, Londo well, loves a good even, genie. Even yeah. if there's, like, these underlying, uh, you know, bad things going on, I was really just happy to have a fun Londo episode again because it's all been all dark and dreary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just thought he was a jerk. <laughs> I loved it. It was hilarious. Yeah. Timov accuses Daguerre of knowing uh, what Londo was playing, which she didn't. And she has a line that really shocked me to hear her say, I'll save that for later. <laughs> but they <laughs> argue and. Londo wants them to continue, and then Londo's third wife, Marielle, enters. And Londo gives Marielle this look. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because I think nice. they were trying to make you think that, like, she was obviously the one he was going to pick, right? That's kind of what oh, I yeah. assumed. Yeah. Yes. yeah, like, he actually liked this one. Right. <laughs> she liked her but well that's what i thought they were trying to get across though with that oh yeah, yeah. In the beginning. She's meant to be the she beautiful has one definitely attributes i'll say that yeah <laughs> and if you remember back to season one and born in the purple you assume this is londo's type of woman right. until yeah. you see more of her right i haven't noted about that but i'll mention it later on so who was the actress so the actress was Blair Valk, and I didn't see anything that jumped out. She hasn't done a whole lot. Okay. Yeah, so if their pestilence, famine, and death, I guess that makes Londo war, according to the writer of the episode, Peter David. Well, it's a, it's an info. Sorry, you, by inference, you can come to that conclusion because it's the only one of the horsemen of the apocalypse I mentioned, you know. Yeah, and it makes sense with the character and what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Next, we see a trader trading with Stoner. The trader is played by Carol 
Rokin, I probably said that wrong. I know him from The Next Generation. He was a recurring character called Mr. Hom. He never spoke on the show, I don't think. He was also in Twin Peaks and Charmed, and he was Lurch in the Addams Family movie. That's what it was. Okay. Yes. I remember him from mm-hmm. The Next Generation. Yeah, it almost seems like any sci-fi fantasy thing you've got in the 90s, if it's reasonably big, he's on, because he's just so, got a striking Enormous. look. You know, he, he, he's so tall. Yeah, he's seven feet tall. Wow. You can't miss him. No. So are they trading for this object? Garibaldi butts in and wants to make sure they're not dealing with stolen goods, and he wants to have a private chat with Stoner. Yeah, what did you guys make of this? Do you think, because I do, that Stoner actually got a commission from Marial to find this artifact and to bring it aboard Babylon 5? Really? Hmm. I, it's don't not, that, I don't but... think it was coincidence. I had never thought that, but I figured there's no way it was a coincidence. But Actually, it would be more fitting that Jakar knew this trap was here on this planet. He commissioned Stoner to fetch it. <laughs> really? <laughs> because of the conversation Marielle and Jakar have at the very end. But but he didn't know what. But he just guessed what she did. Like he he just figured it uh, out. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I've got the impression that maybe there was a plot here that you know all parties. Well, at least Marielle and Jakar knew one another beforehand, and both of but them. But then would have both of them would have had to know that Londo was going to divorce them, and he just got the emperor just asked him. What his? I mean, it's, yeah, it, just, it seems like a, it wasn't a long time ago that they. Okay, that's a hole in my. I was thinking that uh, it seemed to me that both uh, the Gare and Marielle were aware that something was going on with Londo and their oh, marriage. Oh, yeah, Tamal seems to be the sort who would try to stay out of that because she's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although, although I've got a note later on, might as well bring it up at this point. That no matter how much I love Lando, it would have been fantastic for um, T- Timov to have become Centauri ambassador. <laughs> it would have just been brilliant. Oh yeah, I would have cool. watched that. But I do love Lando. So. I love everybody. <laughs> In the lens quarters, Lanier enters and. Tells her they received an invitation to Londo's celebration, and he asks her about her hair. <laughs> and he looks so flustered as he was leaving. He's, like, touching his head. Yeah. yeah. Wondering what it would be like. <laughs> yeah. What he look like with hair? Yeah. But he has not no frame hair. of reference. So. Uh, not just with hair, but with rollers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's envious of her hair. Mm. And... <laughs> Garibaldi is questioning Stoner next. Stoner thinks this is a personal thing, and Garibaldi tells him that Talia is a friend, and he pretends, Stoner pretends he didn't know that Talia was there, and Stoner tries to provoke Garibaldi. In the end, Garibaldi tells him not to bother Talia. So is he butting in somewhere that, <laughs> in the, well, he yeah. is where he doesn't belong? Slightly abusing his authority here, I think, hmm. only because there's no evidence or of anything that he's doing wrong. Right. And he really just he admits, has a hunch. Yeah. Yeah. And he admits later that, uh, I don't remember to who, 
But he admits that, um, I think it was to Delenn, he said, you know, when you like somebody, then this somebody that's causing them pain and um, you want to hurt them or something. So I think, yeah, he was kind of overstepping maybe a little at first. But, you know, Stoner's just so gross and disgusting. <laughs> oh, what are you saying about Tal? You just made me so Oh, mad. I know. I know. I was getting so mad. I was like, Garibaldi, makes... hit him. <laughs> yeah, it just makes the skin crawl, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he picked up, he picked up on that pretty quickly, Garibaldi's yeah. interest in Talia. But supposedly he doesn't have that ability, right? He, he can't well, read people's minds? if he's an empath, he can read their feelings. Oh, right. Which I didn't pick up on at all until they right out told me. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, well. The reading reading feelings? The empath, yeah. Like, just that he had some different ability, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, the first guy, when he was getting off the shuttle, he, you know, he changed his mind really quickly. And that was, like, the first thing you're supposed to notice about Stoner. But, you know, actually the first thing you notice is that he's a skeevy little something or other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I suppose if you are if you can manipulate anyone's feelings and you can read anyone's feelings and no one knows you can do that and you're doing it on the sly, you would be really arrogant and think you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense, but it's just gross. Yeah, if he, if he can just get away with anything, then it doesn't yeah, matter what he bother, says to people. Yeah, why bother acting nice? Right. Uh, next, Mariel meets Sheridan, saying she got separated from her husband and his other two wives. And Londo arrives, and he warns Sheridan about Mariel, saying she's drawn to men of power. This always bugs me, because, um, like... It's always seen like as a as a bad thing if woman is attracted to a guy with power, but yet when men are attracted to women that look a certain way, that's perfectly fine. You know, it's still superficial. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there's a problem here. It should be about the same, the same degree of loathed. But it's not. It seems like it's like women that are attracted to power. That's like really bad. You know, but if a guy is just attracted to really hobbles, that's fine. That's normal. <laughs> So it yeah. just bugs me when people get on that. Maybe they should have emphasized the fact that she uses their, those men for her own purposes and basically, you know, disregards them afterwards, leaves them in a worse position than they were when they met her. Mm-hmm. Rather yeah, than... we don't really get a sense of that. Like, we don't get any history there. So all we hear no, we is, don't. yeah, she's a manipulator or something. Um, we, we do see that she tried to kill him, <laughs> but... You know, I didn't get a sense that she had done that before or if she had done that before with other people or not, you know. I guess you're supposed to see that because she's willing to, well, murder her husband to prevent their divorce, that she is someone who isn't to be trusted or, I don't know. It does seem Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end. Sexist, doesn't it, <laughs> Yeah, because if um, a guy, if a man did what she did, it would be more accepted because they would be considered ruthless and just doing what needs to be done to gain power, especially for a Centauri. Yes. It, it, then again, Centauri, the Centauri are meant to be portrayed as far more uh, 
power status. Yeah, uh, far more extreme in their views. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talia's in the cafe when Stoner shows up. She doesn't want anything to do with him. He tells her she can get out of Psychor by losing her telepathic abilities and he can arrange for them, arrange for her to lose her, the, oh, what is this? Um, oh, she can arrange for her to lose them and they can be together. So this may be slightly spoilery, but this episode was supposed to air after the next one. So if something about this conversation didn't quite make sense, it'll make probably make more sense next week. Okay. Yes. Mm. I originally uh, didn't know that, but I had always watched it in the order where I watched this episode after um, Race Through the Dark Places. And yeah. I didn't even realize this one was had been aired before the other one. But I think it makes more sense the way I watched it. Because in this episode, there's some there seems to be a reference to something that happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, we yeah. can't say anymore. Yeah, I know. I can't. can't. <laughs> yeah. That's... Although, yeah. yeah um, hmm. I'll raise that question next week. Yeah, I just needed more time for next week's episode on post-production, so they switched the order. I mean, it doesn't really hurt, but it just makes a little more sense, I think. But that's well, we have that. given away one thing about next week. Talia's going to make an appearance next yeah, week. Yeah, it'll be three oh, Talia yeah. episodes in a row. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Somebody is happy. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> So this is like the first time this season so far that they've aired an episode out of order. I believe so. Okay, cool. Because last season there was a lot of that. Right? I know it was yeah, all it over was the place. Crazy. Twenty second, <laughs> and it aired third. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, we see Talia walking through the corridor, and Garibaldi tells her that he spoke to her ex, and she says it's none of his concern. I think she was a little bit under his spell there because she was a little harsher than. I think normally she might have been. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She is especially ag- aggressive towards him. And I was just thinking that she had to be under his spell. Because you see for a moment after the scene with Garibaldi is over, you see a sort of look on her face. It's like, and, you know, just thinking, hmm, there's something going on there. Yeah. And next we're in Londo's quarters and Marielle arrives and... We see that his other wives are already there, and he wants to have some sexy time with all three of them, but Timov <laughs> isn't having it. <laughs> and this is why Timov is awesome. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It was funny because at first you thought he was going to refuse, and then he says, oh, no, Timov should join us. Yeah, the way that it was written. Yeah. Oh, I almost think he was testing them, because... Nando's intelligent enough to know that his wife's not going to do this, but maybe he wasn't expecting Timov's reaction, <laughs> and he just thought they were all the same, and Timov would try and join in as well. Well, that would be terrible if he went through with it, because that's manipulating people. Because he knows that they're just trying to save themselves, you know, save yeah. save yeah. their quality of life, and that's just, you know... I'm glad I didn't go through with it anyways, because that would have been pretty inexcusable. 
Agreed. That would have been HBO's kind of TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, because didn't one time Jakar comes out of his quarters and there's like three three ladies in there? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the same episode we get um, the first time we see his torso um, prosthetic piece. We oh, see yeah. it again in the uh, end of this episode. Oh, bless. Bless <laughs> that robe. <laughs> Trust the robe is fabulous. Yeah. Oh, I got one. Talia then next apologizes for being rude to Garibaldi. She says she just wants to make sure everything's settled before she leaves B5 with Matt. And she explains that the Psychor began experimenting on telepaths when they were at the Academy. Matt volunteered, but instead of strengthening his abilities, they took his power away and Matt says he can replicate his treatment, replicate that treatment. And she's just tired of how people treat her because she's a telepath and tired of being in an organization that terrifies her. Which is maybe where this comes from the next episode. I don't know. But but up to now, she's, yes, she has like kind of expressed some problems with Psychor, but like Ivanova said, I think in the last episode, like she's loyal to Psychor. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and she lied um for them too, right? In the last episode? Yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so oh, I oh, sorry. I'm just I'm not sure if maybe this is, you know, with the episode out of order if that's maybe where this is coming from. Yeah. I, although... bet, I bet you it is, yeah. Sorry. Still watching it this way, you can still read into the thing that you can still be loyal to corporations, and you're actually loyal because you're afraid of them. That they're not inspiring loyalty out of any good deeds. You're just scared not to be loyal to them. And but yeah, yes. At the same time, that's never been shown before. Yeah, she uh, never Talia. expressed anything really. No, no. And that girl that became her psi ability you know manifested she was trying to get her to join psychor uh-huh yeah oh definitely last season she was far more loyal to the core yeah so yeah it was, was a little jarring after- for me to to yeah, see it, her say that yeah and psychor. when she was trying to get the girl to join the core that was even after what ironheart did to her and mm-hmm. the yeah. spirit she had with ironheart true uh, next, we see Marielle approach the trader from earlier to buy something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we cut to Ivanova and Sheridan discussing station business. And she tells them that everyone going to Lundo's party must be barefoot. Yeah, I think this is almost solely for that line of, you know, that they have to go there barefoot and um, Sheridan's reaction. Yeah. I didn't get the reaction. It's, it, Does he have it, a foot phobia? I don't know, but it just looks like um, he certainly can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I just have but, to say this scene is completely pointless. <laughs> yeah, the only yeah. thing it shows is that she's really on top of things. That's all. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, I already knew that. Yeah. Yeah. He settled in nicely. <laughs> he settled in yeah. nicely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, you got to remember the last time we had a um, Centauri um, ceremony thing, um, Sinclair was there last time, so he doesn't know the protocols. (laughs) Sheridan doesn't know the protocols. 
Yeah. Well, I was all excited to see Jakar's feet. And then he was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, although, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love just after that when um, Lando kind of gives that line to him and gives um, Jakar a headache again. Uh-huh. You get yeah. a slight, you get a slight smile from Tim. Of the slightest of slight smiles, that no, I didn't notice that. No, it's so subtle. It's <laughs> blink and you miss it, but it's there. And she liked that Londo did that. It's the first sign that she actually might have some affection for Londo and some of the stuff he does. Hmm. Do you notice that humongous painting of Londo yes, in the background? Yes, oh my god, that was awful. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I oh. guess that's why Kosh wasn't there. He can't go barefoot. Uh. Does he even have me? I don't know. Very yeah, um, this is... Job. Yeah, nah, this is the first example of um, the work of a fan canon um, character, I suppose, is best for... Because um, something, I uh, know I bring them up com- constantly, but the Babylon podcast have yes. come up with a name for the person that does all this artwork, and this is just one example of them. <laughs> it's Lackluster Art Membari. <laughs> and I did say Membari because they actually didn't notice it here. They noticed it somewhere else, and it's a Membari scene that they picked it up on. I... I <laughs> So, yeah, this is the work of Lackluster Art Membari. I mean, <laughs> just like if you see um, art that's clearly been painted for the show. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Especially when it's done dodgy, <laughs> quite dodgy painting <laughs> yeah. like this one. What do you mean? <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you've just got... It, it's just the image of you've got this Membari going around to all these social occasions or the like and quickly ripping up these paintings in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. I did notice that Ivanova seemed to be really having a good time back there just like at the last party. I could see her smile. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. She likes these Centauri parties. Yeah. I think Ivanova would be great at my party. <laughs> so Lando gets a gift from Marielle. It's a little statue, and it shoots out two things that hit Lando in the forehead. And... Oh yeah, she gets that. But before that, uh, Lydia gets a gift for him. Oh yeah, Mark's like cards. <laughs> yeah, he was so excited about the cards. I was like, oh, I know. Was a cheap gift, but they were marked just the way. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's... It's kind oh. of, it reminds you of the episode where they went out of the town together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have to wonder how many times since um, Lando has actually um, taken Lanier aside for a bit of education. <laughs> I like that um, they keep doing, going, make little dates. <laughs> they're cheating and fighting and just, it's all <laughs> Yeah. And I think they were trying to mislead us with um, Daguerre saying the gift was from them all, really. I think she said, it's from all of us, really. Even though it really right. wasn't, was it? It was just... Just from, from Marielle, but... Yeah. I think she was just... No one else got him anything. Yeah. yeah 
I just thought it was her trying to take, uh, you know, credit, take credit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it made yeah. her look suspicious. <laughs> Oops. Next, in med lab, Londo's unconscious. They can't make it any toxin in time. They don't have enough of Londo's blood type for a transfusion. And they're not any good at synthesizing Centauri blood. Marielle says she didn't know about the movie trap, whatever. And Daguerre points out that, excuse me, Londo hadn't made his divorce decree public yet. So if he dies... Their futures are secure. That made her look suspicious. (laughs) Because the first thing I say when um, my husband is in the hospital is, hmm, my life will be better if he dies. (laughs) She did not watch Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Yeah, you've got to wonder whether the guy there is trying to say to Tema, just let him die. We'll all be better off. Oh, I didn't think yeah. that she knew that no, Tim had either. that blood. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I've just seen and now I forgot that. Um, although Degare probably has a completely different meaning, it just it's quite nice that it sounds like Dagger. Yeah. <laughs> right. She is the sort of one who would gladly stick a political dagger in your back. Vomit, dagger. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> I actually yeah. think Mario's quite a pretty name. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to wonder I would oh, no, find if there's another meaning there. And yeah, there is. I, yeah. We just don't know. <laughs> hmm. Next they're questioning Stoner. He says he doesn't know anything about the artifact. He found it someplace the Centauri abandoned. But since the Narn actually forced the Centauri out of that place, maybe it was booby trapped. They let Stoner go, and they're going to talk to Jakar about the statue, which we don't ever see. Yeah. So in Med Lab, Timov speaks to the Doctor. I have capital D, like the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> she has Londo's blood type. She didn't say anything earlier because she was still trying to decide what she wanted to do, but she's going to give blood. But the condition is that Londo must never know that it came from her. And, and Dr. Franklin's like, okay, sure. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> as long as he doesn't if it's Yeah. Uh, and it's this this that really rounds the character out that makes her more than just a series of one-liners. You know, um, it's it, it, she seems like a real well-rounded character here and so subtle in a lot of different ways, especially in contrast to Daguerre and Marielle. Yeah, because she doesn't pretend to actually like Londo, which I think if she had done that, it would have made fall flat because you wouldn't have believed it at all. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that made me think of Maggie Smith on Downton Abbey. Sometimes she's just a series of one-liners, but (laughs) Hmm. yeah, they they do. There's actually um, a radio sketch show over here called Dead Ringers, and in the most recent series they've done a series of sketches where her character just comes out with these ridiculous one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> she's one of the, my favorite characters on the show, but yeah, sometimes she is just funny line after funny line. Yeah. Um, Downton Abbey cast. <laughs> <Let's do that. laughs> I've never seen that show. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, <laughs> yeah. It is good. 
Next, we're in Garibaldi's office. Lou Welch enters with some information on Stoner. Stoner's story checks out, but Garibaldi doesn't buy it. And somehow Stoner got a meal, even though prisoners aren't supposed to eat yet. <laughs> Lou Welch said something about them that she want to like them. So I guess Garibaldi knows that something's not right. It's Garibaldi sense. Uh, Garibaldi, you shouldn't have sent uh, Lou Welch to guard him. You should have used Zach. Yes. You really should have used Zach. Who the heck is Zach? Last I know we talked him. about him last week. Yeah. I just, I still, I can't picture him in my head. It seems that Stoner doesn't try to use his abilities on Garibaldi because he never acts as if he holds him in anything but complete and utter contempt. No. <laughs> when they had the the conversation about about soulmates and that when Delenn is telling Garibaldi and about how that he probably just has like unfinished business with him or whatever. I I was wondering, Will, do you think you and Talia are soulmates and that's why you have <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Talia. <laughs> if I'm British. destined to meet her lifetime after lifetime, oh god. <laughs> oh. I just remember that I wore my mom's dress that day I wore that wig. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Please continue. Talia. Mm. Um. Oh yeah, Med Lab. Londo wakes up and I thought I, I wrote. I'm surprised that Franklin is not stroking his hair. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Franklin was completely professional this episode. He should get a yeah. old star. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. was one time where he wasn't That's quite true. Well, you know, yeah. I thought that was understandable, at least. Yeah. Yeah, from his side of things, that was perfectly understandable and reasonable <laughs> to say. <laughs> and then, of course, London has a great line after that. Yeah. And it's interesting <laughs> that um, Londo said that Tim Ogg is the worst, basically. <laughs> Oh, that, that, yeah, that really sounds very different to modern days, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, and there's also something else earlier on in the episode, a phrase that is actually quite common in the UK. I don't know how common it is in America, but over here we've had it for a while, but I don't remember it being in use in the 90s at all. And Degear calls earlier on when she first meets Lando and, he says he's fit. Oh, um, yeah. In the 90s, from what I remember, that just meant he's looking trim and well and, you know, in shape, where uh, now it just means you're looking sexy. <laughs> I like the definition she's using. Yeah. <laughs> so after that scene, Sheridan is speaking to Stoner. Apparently, Psychor found out about what was going on and they wanted him turned over immediately. He thinks... Stoner's still working with Psychor, and they transformed his power, turning him into an empath, and that they sent him here hoping to meet up with Natalia. Natalia, I could call her Natalia for some reason. <laughs> what, she's having a relationship with Natal? <laughs> oh, that would be... <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, they want to create more impasse since they're genetically compatible and he tries to use his powers on Garibaldi but Garibaldi warns him that 
the people outside that have orders to shoot Stoner if anybody starts acting weird. And uh, Stoner tells Talia that he does have a cure. That was true, but she's not having it. And I think it was a prediction that more telepaths can be reconfigured like we're reconfigured like Ironheart. Well, not exactly like Ironheart, but there have been more telepaths that have been experimented on. Well, didn't they say last episode that um, that guy that had the hat on his head the, um, that Kosh was using? Oh, the vicar. Vicar, yeah. That he was one of those? Uh, well, cyber. He was the cybernetic experiment. I don't know. Maybe not necessarily a... Oh yeah, right, cybernetics. That's yeah. Not the cyber okay. zombie was clearly a um, a, what's it um, program, a psychor program. Yeah. So next, Londo's wives are leaving. He's chosen Tim off to be his only wife because with her, he'll always know where he stands. Yeah. Surprised that he picked her, or <laughs> oh, she was, and then when. Um, Lando says his goodbye to her, walks away. She's got this, has this great expression, this smile and tilt of the head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's clearly affection there between them of some type. Yeah. I wasn't surprised. I thought somehow that either he would, like, know that she saved him or something, but, um, but this was nice, the way that he came to choose her and the reasoning. Yeah, I kind of figured that he would choose her. Um, I'm glad that she wasn't trying to act that way just so he would pick her. Like, that was, she mm-hmm. was genuinely just acting the way she was feeling, you know? Yeah. And fairly obvious question, I'm sure, but do you think he made the right choice? Oh, yes, I think. Because I think she really is the only one at the end of the day that he could trust. And the Garris schemer. And Marielle's a, well, she's an assassin. <laughs> but, or attempted right. assassin, rather. Yeah, and we've actually skipped over the um, scene with uh, uh, Marielle and Dakar. One. Oh, did we? I wasn't sure we had gone yeah. to it or not. Yeah, we, uh, we vaguely mentioned it earlier, but we haven't actually properly discussed it. Oh, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, because. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, the space think... candles are back. Yeah, I have uh, yeah, my notes like a million candles. <laughs> yeah, is Marielle just visiting Jakar or was she yeah, what? a bit of a pair with him? No, I don't think so. Right? I, don't, I didn't get that vibe. I mean, I got that he, I kind of felt like he was a little attracted to her, but I didn't feel like, I think, I, I felt like he just called her to his quarters to talk right. about it. Yeah, like they knew each other, but they weren't having an affair. Because. I got this vaguely post-coital feel about it all. Because of the robe and the candles? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and the um, alcohol of some type and the... He was clearly flirting with her at the very least. He looked a little post-coital, but she didn't. I mean, she still had on all her finery and um, her hair and everything. It was nice and... Mm. Maybe she's just a quick dresser. (laughs) I found the meaning of the name Marielle, by the way. Oh yeah, it is Hebrew origin. Hebrew origin. It means wishful child, wished for child, but also rebellion and bitter. Oh wow, that fits <laughs> very well. Nice. <laughs> Which is kind of a weird, like a weird, fair, like meaning to use because it's also 
derivative i mean mary's a derivative so it's like very popular name but it means like rebellion and bitter (laughs) (laughs) oh well yeah it's a nice little scene and as we said earlier we get to see jacquard's robe again which is worth it all episodes (laughs) note about marielle earlier is that she reminded me of a sort of evil adira Oh, she kind of did have just that the look, look yeah. and the voice were sort of made me think because that's why I think you know you're supposed to think that's the sort he's a tr- he's interested in, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, she does. She have, definitely looked like her. There, there's been some fan speculation that Timov is actually the wife he talked about a little while ago, the wife who used to be a dancer. And um, when she married her, she's got this shrill, shrill voice going, Thunder! And so people kind of think that that dancer was Timov. But JMS has said specifically that she's not. I always that, just assume that marriage got annulled at some point. Yeah, JMS has basically said that marriage got annulled and Timov was his first arranged marriage. Okay. Yeah. It's because just that, nice... was, that was a voluntary marriage that he had been talking about. Oh, yes, yes. So he's hmm. basically been married four times. Okay, at least, that we know of. Yeah. Just a nice bit of trivia, I thought. Yeah, because I'd forgotten about that. So in the final scene, Delin is thanking Ivanova for her help. She says that taking on human characteristics has been in education and she has a question about another human characteristic oh. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know we can say for quotes maybe I don't know hmm. we already talked about the scene where um, Talia was talking to what's his face um, Stoner with all them in that interrogation room yeah, yeah. okay because I was laughing because you know how she says, like, no chance, and then she walks out? Yeah. I was like, thank God those doors are omniscient, because that would have been really embarrassing if she said no <laughs> chance right into the door. <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's meant to be in an interrogation chamber, and you don't want doors that will automatically open for the prisoner. Right. So it's a good thing yeah. those doors are omniscient. Which yeah. I'm pretty sure there's they someone are. someone on the other side just pushing them by and saying, oh yeah, they can just come waiting, on through. Yeah. Yeah. That or we've, we've got a crossover with um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and there's their doors with real people personalities. <laughs> this one was like, I don't think I should open right now. It'd be a lot funnier if I didn't open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. maybe, she, maybe she communicated telepathically with the door. That's probably <laughs> what it was. <laughs> Well, well, uh, what's it? Um, Ironheart gave her those telekinetic powers that we see nothing about. Perhaps yeah. that, maybe that's what she's doing. Yeah. Maybe she's actually controlling all the doors on the station. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they seem to be uh, prescient. Yeah. Well, that was the end of the episode. We did have Bill Blair as an alien in this episode again. Yay. I don't have any more notes about the episode. Anybody else? Um, Timov's awesome. (laughs) I do have one note that it doesn't really refer to the episode, but it does 
relate to it. Um, Peter David, you know, he's just made me think. He wrote this episode, and he was the he wrote uh, the Centauri trilogy years later, and it just made me think of you know Peter David was the go-to Centauri writer for some reason. Okay, I've not actually read that trilogy. I read it when it was new. Really oh, hard I read all of the Babylon 5 books. The only one I hadn't read before this year was uh, To Dream in the City of Sorrows, and I just read it like two or three months ago. That was pretty good. Yeah, without giving anything away, Heidi and Elizabeth, about 80% of all Babylon 5 novels are considered canon. What? How yeah. many are there? Uh, there are a few, yeah. Wow. Basically, JMS basically gave the okay to most of them. I went to Powell's a couple of months ago, which is an awesome bookstore for everyone. I've been there, like yeah. Best Huge. bookstore ever. I actually want to go there so much. Uh, you have to come one day. But I got the first few Babylon 5 novels, and I want to try to read all of them by the time we finish this podcast. It's my goal. Yes. Get on well, that. Yeah. to it. Yeah, yes. if we if we've got the energy at the time, we'll I think maybe we'll put out a, a um, special episode about some of them because I'll try and read what I can as well. Yeah. Are they so, mixed into the chronology? Were they all written after the show? Like, how is that working? Some I know were written during the broadcast, and then others were written after the show had finished. But they all take place at some point during the chronology. Okay. Um, it might, some might take place before, some might take place during, and some will take place after. Hmm. I think the first book has Talia on the cover, and that's why yes. I haven't started uh, it yet. <laughs> I think that one's Voices. I actually remember that one. Not well, mind you, but Talia, you'll love it. Yeah, although yeah, you I'm, can't see her when you're reading. I'll take your so. word. For, <laughs> yeah, I can't see her. I'm, I'm I can picture it in my head. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I do have, um, and I got them when they first came out. The uh, Cycle Trilogy. Oh, that's the one I'm really looking forward yeah. to. There, <laughs> I won't give anything. No, uh, I think once things are over, if we can, yeah, if we can. Will and I will have to do a podcast on them. I know we're on a tangent here. Are we waiting on something, or do we just go off on a tangent? <laughs> I think we went off <laughs> on a tangent. <laughs> How about quotes? We could quote like half the episode. but <laughs> I would just love to quote everything Tim Off says, but you just can't do it. Yeah. Anybody want to start us off? Erica? Okay, I'll go. Well, my, I have a lot, but I'll just go with this one, which is the first one I like. Oh, Timoff, Timoff, why do you always try to draw me into your little verbal fencing matches? Because I don't have a real sword handy. Because, <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. That was good. I would love to use that in real life if I found the right place. I, I feel that is something you can always find a way to fit into the conversation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> People always refer to verbal fencing. At least they do in my world. I will try to look for that. <laughs> when it's really inappropriate, I will just... <laughs> appropriate and appropriate. <laughs> I have Timov. The secret of our marriage's success, Londo, is our lack of communication. You have jeopardized that success, and I would know why. <laughs> yes. 
Um, I have one that's not a Tim Hobb quote. Uh, Shikar, I warn you, Mariel, do not be overconfident. If I were married to Londo Malari, I'd be concerned. Mariel, Shikar, if you were married to Londo Malari, we'd all be concerned. Yeah, that was one of my... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I've got another Londo Timoth thing. Londo says, you haven't changed, Timoth. You have. You've devolved. I love that line. (laughs) Um, I have a Londo and Tim off one. Um, Londo, they're merely expressing their feelings for me, Tim off. Well, I could do that. Slap. Yep. Yep. Uh, Okay, I've got to go with another Tim off thing. This is Tim off and Veer. Tim off, I won't bite Veer. Veer, with all due respect, madam, that's not what I've heard, Tim off. All right, that one time. Veer, it was twice. (laughs) There's another one of mine. I just have this one just because Peter David had a note about it. Tim off a bitch like you would know about breeding. <laughs> and I guess he had a question about how he got that past the censors. He just said, I didn't get it past the censors. I just wrote it into the script. Something <laughs> like that. Okay. Uh, unless anyone has more, I've got one more. I have one, but you can go ahead. Tim off. Where have you been? Landa affairs of state, my dear Tim off. State of inebriation, I'd wager. <laughs> Forgot about that. And the last one I had was um, Sheridan and Jakar. It was, oh, nonsense. It's not as if anyone expects you to, oh, vanish overnight under mysterious circumstances to a strange Mimbari post. Why, that would be unprecedented in this station's history. And I just love the way Jakar said that. So. Yeah, I'm glad you said that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... Well, see, I thought someone else would have it, but since no one had said it, I said, I can't go through this episode without saying that line. Yeah. Because it's so perfect. All right, let's do our characters of the week. Who is our human of the week? I can't say Talia again this week. I did last week. I'm going to say Susan for her heroic hairstyling efforts. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it should always be Susan. So, yeah. yeah, Garibaldi was kind of, yeah. Garibaldi kind of got on my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I would go blue. So, Ivanova. Let's see. Who's our alien of the week? If it's not Tim Off, something Tim is off. wrong with the wrong universe. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so much. Yeah, I think it off. has to be Tim Off. Mm-hmm. All right, let's rate this baby. Uh, Want to start us off, Erica? Um, I will give this episode 7.5 skeevy ex-husbands. Um, it was entertaining. It was funny. It was written by one of my favorite writers. But it doesn't really have a lot of meat to it. I don't know if this is really important in the scheme of things, even without spoilers or anything. It just doesn't seem that substantial, but it is funny, it's enjoyable, and it is, has supporting characters that I really like. So I think 7.5 is pretty fair. Cool. How about you, Heidi? Um, I really like this one, and I, for one, don't really... Uh, I don't really care if episodes are big in the grand scheme of things, because some of my favorite episodes of shows are sort of standalones. Um I just enjoyed it and had a good time. And the Talia storyline wasn't 
It wasn't my favorite, but uh, I really like that actor, and so that kind of helped a little bit, um, the ex-husband. So I am giving it 8 out of 10 um, polygamous centauris. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Elizabeth? Well, I think I liked it a little bit better the second time I watched it. The first time I was just trying to figure out what the heck was happening, and um, I both times I watched it, I kind of drifted every time the Talia storyline came on. Not because of Talia, but just, I don't know, just all the talking about what he could be and what he did. I don't know. I just kind of drifted. and um, So that part wasn't that great for me. But, you know, I enjoyed Tim off and that storyline. So I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 copies of Are You There, God? It's Me, Delenn. <laughs> <laughs> What do you say, Ian? Yeah, I, I'd like the comedy in this. We've got two lovely comedy plots. Um, Tim Hobbs, an awesome character. And I, I, yeah, she's fantastic. And if we didn't have the stoner subplot in this, it would write more. It, I, despite the actor, I know he's done great stuff in... Um, other shows, but I can't stand this plotline, and I do skip over it. Even if I'm trying to review it, I only watched it the once, and really didn't want to make any notes on this at all, because I just couldn't stand the plotline. But the comedy makes up for it in spades. So, yeah, I'm going to go for 7.5 out of 10 verbal fencing matches with Tim Off. Uh, cool. Well, I agree with Ian. The comedy and everyone else, the comedy in the episode just made it automatically better than the last couple episodes we've seen. And I you know the Talia storyline, I was just kind of meh on. I didn't really hate it, but I didn't like it either. Um, and the Delenn storyline, that, that and the Lando storyline is what made it for me. So I give it eight out of ten. They come up with a rating system. Um, eight out of ten empaths. So that's a pretty high one. Of course, it's got Tim up in it. Why wouldn't it yeah. be high? <laughs> I don't you know. I that hard is you know to tell your star, and it's not bad. It's just meh. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you I want could... to get through it just to get back to Tim yes. or the lane. So it gives us a total score of 7.6, tied with Revelations for the second highest of the season. We're still early on, though. Yeah. That seems fair. I don't even remember what Revelations was about, so... Uh, That was when we finally saw Dylan out of the cocoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We found stuff out. Sheridan's sister. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I I forgot about it. No, no, no. I could not forget her hair. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's that blonde, <laughs> short hair, right? Yeah. Oh, it's like I saw that hairstyle on every woman in the 90s era. And it seems to be Well, back. until the late 90s, and then everyone had the Jennifer Anderson haircut. Yeah, but that was a better haircut. At least yep. I think so. So let's take a power trip over to Feedback Land. Feedback Land. You tell I come up with these off the top of my head. <laughs> just like... Okay, what was <laughs> I always think of like a space donkey or a dire donkey. <laughs> a dire donkey. Oh, we can't use dire donkey. That's probably, that's probably copyright. copyright. Yeah. <laughs> a um, donkey. 
Yeah, take a oh, tin off. Awesome. Yeah, donkey that's just got full of one. Donkey made of like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So first, we got a new review on iTunes, a five-star review from White Star 20. B5 from the beginning again. This is my first intro cast, and it brings a lot of great memories from watching the show 20 years ago. I love hearing the newbies' reactions to the stories and listening to their predictions of what is to come. Great podcast up there with the Babylon podcast and sci-fi dig for B5 fans. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank that's, you, White Star 20. That's great praise. I mean, it, being compared to the Babylon podcast, podcast I which know. I really admire and really love, thanks. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. You know, I just I just found that podcast like a month ago, and I've been trying to listen to the old What do you make episodes. of it? It's quite interesting. I haven't made it very far in. I'm still like on like the first few episodes but it's an interesting format and but it just seems you know like i don't know how i miss it i've been listening to podcasts since about 2005 and i love babylon 5 so it's just yeah it was one of the first podcasts i started listening to i think yeah the oldies but back then i was mostly into tech podcasts so that's probably oh yeah so we have a comment on our website from Board99. Who wants to take that one? Okay, I can take the comment from Board. Um, give me a second. So he starts off by making sure we're aware that this contains spoilers for soulmates. Also for Prime of Miss Jean Brody. <laughs> yes. This will probably not come up again, he says. <laughs> Bad news. This is not... A bad news. This is not a wacky. Come, I don't know why I can't get my tongue around that. This is not a wacky romantic comedy about how the crew of Babylon Five scheme to bring together two soul hunters. Oh, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, who think that they hate each other, but whom everyone else realises absolutely should be together. What it is, what is, is an odd, but uh, I think, sorry, what is, what it is, is an odd, but artful (laughs) juxtapositioning, no, juxtaposition of an A plot and a B plot that could basically each be mixed and matched with other episodes, but which do fit together here, being both concerned upon unhappy marriages. Unfortunately, neither story quite works for me. There's something a little off in the presentation of the Stoner character. I think that the idea is supposed to be that because of his powers... He can go around being intensely dislikable because when he needs something, his powers ensure that he gets it, no matter what gets it, no matter how he's behaved. But the result is a character about whom we're told that is a character about whom we're told that he can make people like him. 
but we don't really see that person on screen. Keith, I can't pronounce his last name, <laughs> does, as one would expect, an excellent job of making Stoner unpleasant, but I'm not entirely sure that was wise for the story to go there quite this much. As for Londo's wacky divorce hijinks, for me, at any rate, this doesn't succeed in walking the fine line between Londo being sexist and the humour itself being sexist well enough. It does, however, have one shining plus in one of my favourite, probably my absolute favourite, guest performances on Babylon 5. Jane Carr as Timoth for... For more Jane Carr, start with the performance as Mary, the girl whose brother fights in the Spanish Civil War in the prime of Miss Jean Brodie, where she stands out in a film that's notorious not on that is notorious not short on great performances. In Soulmates, the only problem with Carr is that Timov is so charismatic and so has so much more personality than the other two women that there's pretty much no possible doubt about whom Lando will end up with. Frankly, I believe Timov, he, I believe in Timov as a romantic partner for Lando far more than I can imagine, far more than I can manage to believe in Adira in, in season one. And it's not only because she's closer to his age. And thank you, Vord. Yeah, thanks, Vord. Yeah, well considered ideas there. As usual. Was Maggie Smith in that movie, The Prime of Miss Jean yes. Brody? Yes, she is. I knew I heard of the movie, and I've never seen it. Mm. She won her Oscar for that movie. Oh, yeah? She was quite good in it. I haven't seen it since, well, I was about 11 or 12, so it's been a while. But next email is from Lori who wants to take that one I'll take that one hello ambassadors, commanders and guests we thought this episode was a step or two up over the last two even though Talia was once again a central figure or so Will is thinking (laughs) got one more with her at least (laughs) however we do get Delenn and Lanier, Londo and Veer and Jakar, still waiting for Kosh though I know the story with Londo and his three wives was very entertaining. Had anyone predicted that we would meet Pestilence, Famine, and Death so soon? Carl predicted that he would pick Timov fairly early, as she was the only honest one. Looking forward to hearing if you all did as well. What did you all think of Jakar's scene with Mariel? We have seen him with humans, but this was rather surprising. Did he know her from before, or was it a new encounter? Thoughts? He also tosses something to her at the party. Did anyone see what it was? Did he? He did? I didn't notice didn't that. Oh, definitely worth looking again. We all missed that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe my theory has some uh, substance to it. Maybe it does, Ian. <laughs> yeah, who knew? Um, the story of Matt Stoner was a bit creepy and leaves some unanswered questions. Was he really separated from the Psychor? Why was he really there at all? Elizabeth's prediction about Talia changing her attitude about Psychor seems to be coming true. Yay, Elizabeth! (laughs) Looking forward to more predictions. 
I'm sure that no one thought that Londo was in danger of dying, but the murder attempt still seems to be a bit unresolved. Was Stoner involved or was it just Mariel? What do you all think? Uh, I think we... Yeah, I think we covered it. Yeah. Um, at the party, it was a very nice callback when Lanier gave the marked cards to Londo and Garibaldi had a very nice dress uniform. Mm-hmm. Quotes, if these were missed. Lanier, is that painful? Dylan, actually, it's oddly relaxing. Lanier touches head with a great expression. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, that's a nice one that we did miss. Uh-huh. And another interesting quote, Ivanova. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. Dylan, well, now that you mention it, do you have any idea why I suddenly started getting these odd cramps? Hmm. Ratings. Carl. Human. Security guy, Lou. Alien. Lanier. <laughs> For the look about Delenn's hair and the March cards gift. Rating 8 out of 10, look into my eyes. And Lori's rating. And uh, human, Ivanova. Alien, Londo. Rating 7.5 out of 10, marked cards. Nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Carl. And I can't believe you didn't vote for Tim Hobb. No. That's <laughs> unacceptable. That's <laughs> Our next email is from Lisa, who wants to take that one. Okay. Um, hey, commanders and ambassadors, it is Lisa. First, I would like to apologize for the spelling errors. Oh, that's fine, Lisa. I thought I had gotten them all, but I guess I missed a few. I will try to do better this time. Now on to soulmates. Okay, so I'm starting to think that the show has forgotten about Ironheart and the powers that he gave her. Well, it is either that or Talia falls for all of her mentors. <laughs> I have to say I found Matt to be creepy, and I was with Garibaldi when it came to him. I love how we meet all of Londo's wives, and I really like how, despite the fact that he and Timoff do not get along, she is still willing to save his life. And hey, I actually like Franklin in this one. <laughs> Speaking of Londo, I like his reason for keeping Timoff, because as he pointed out, while they do not get along, at least he knows where he stands with her. I also found what Delenn was going through funny, but I did feel bad for Susan. And Jakar just cracked me up, especially in his talk to Sheridan. All in all, besides Matt, this episode was awesome. Which is weird, because when you watch the next one. For this episode, all you get is the matte stuff. Rating of the episode, 8 out of 10 Poison Centauri Artifacts. Human of the episode, Susan, for having to deal with the Len problems. Alien of the episode, Timma, for being able to put Londo in his place. Well, so Lisa got picked. it right. Yeah. <laughs> Quote of the episode. And there is the right answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't know that, people, but there is. <laughs> Oh, nonsense. It's not as if anyone expects you to vanish overnight. And Oh, we already said this one. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Cheers. Thank you, Lisa. Our next email is from Victor DeGran. I'll take this one. This episode opens with a shot of Veer's enormous face. <laughs> and, Londo's, <laughs> and Londo's beleaguered aide is given, has been given an impossible task. He may be a- able to handle techno majors and whatever beast they conjure up, but against Londo's wives, he is clearly out of his depth. He is no match for the imperious Timof Malari. I forget whether this particular sh- shrew was famine, pestilence, or death. And if one wife wasn't bad enough, it's when two of them get together that the claws really come out. I doubt that any soap opera could have characters this compelling. The reason Veer has to cover for his boss is, as usual, Londo is out having a good time. To celebrate the 30th anniversary of his ascension, the Emperor has granted him a wish, and a delighted Londo cackles to his wives that he is divorcing all of them. I've never seen Londo happier. Meanwhile, Talia's ex-husband, 
arise and she wants no part of him. Garibaldi picks this week to become overprotective of her. Where was he last week when the assassin was trying to kill her? <laughs> Good point. Talia's ex-husband may be a sleazy, underhanded jerk, but he offers her a chance to leave the Psychor by giving up her telepathic ability. Talia has spent the entire series complaining about how she had no choice but to join the Corps and can't leave. And yet, although this is what she has always wanted, she ultimately rejects the deal and dumps him. She doesn't want to leave the Psychor that badly. Go figure. A woman who just wants to complain about a problem instead of solving the problem. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. At the start of this ep- <laughs> At the start of this episode I felt sorry for her, but by the end of it I felt sorry for him. Londo's partying is interrupted when one of his wives contrives to poison him, but in the end his most surly wife saves him with a blood transfusion. Since Londo will be required to maintain one wife for ceremonial purposes, he chooses Timov, which is vomit spelled backwards. After all, despite outward appearances, Londo really is a wise man, and he knows that all three women hate him, but Timov is the only one honest enough not to pretend otherwise. This was a wonderful episode with one great scene after another. With one with characters like these, you don't even need a plot. Despite a large dose of Talia, I consider this the most entertaining episode yet, and I will give it a perfect 10 battle axes out of 10. Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Controversial thoughts there. Boy, high high rating there, Victor. Yeah. Uh, Next email is from Yan, who wants to read that one. Okay, then. Hello, fellow lurkers in down below. Here's a bit of feedback for Season 2, Episode 7, Soulmates. Another Talia episode. Hooray, Will! Uh, Yes. (laughs) And more psychor experiments. What a surprise. Delenn has a bad hair day. Really bad. Nice subplot. Hilarity ensues. Right until the final scene with Ivanova. Lando having an excellent day. He gets to divorce three... He gets to divorce two of the three wives. And almost dies. Now the question is, were Jakar and Marielle conspiring? Or was it to cut... Or was just Dukar's lust for women of all kinds? Londo chooses to keep Timov. I love this reason. I love his reason that Timov, that with Timov, he will always know where he stands. By the way, did you notice what you get when you spell Timov backwards? I think we did. <laughs> and as compensation from the previous episode, lots of aliens. Uh-huh. And now for the favourites. You better get this right. <laughs> well, qu- first of all, quote. Um, uh, it's the Dakar Marielle quote about if Londo was married to Dakar, that we'd all be worried. Although it would make an interesting episode. I'm sure some people would be quite happy to see Londo and Dakar man. <laughs> sure. And he's also, uh, he's also got Timoff's quote about... Uh, the secret of our marriage's success, Lando, is our lack of communication. You have just jeopardized that success. And I would like to know why. Human, Garibaldi, alien, Lando, though I was tempted to go for Timon. And that yeah. would have been the right answer. Exactly. <laughs> Although Lando is a second choice, so you get a little bit of a point for that. 
episode rating. This is a more light-hearted episode before the story really continues. I like the playfulness, so I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10 lost abilities. And with this, watch out for The Coming of Shadows, Yan the Babylon Lurker. Thanks, Yan. Thank you, Yan. Cheers, Yan. Let's see. Our final email is from Anka. Who wants to take that one? Okay, I think it's my turn. Um, it is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. It is a pleasure (laughs) to review this episode. I don't know why, but this episode stuck in my mind after I first watched it. Until today, Timov is one of my favorite characters of season two. I love the story around Londo and his soon-to-be divorced wives, the murder attempt, and not really knowing who was actually involved in it until today. And the character of Timov, who doesn't fear her powerful husband and would make for a great side character to Londo. Did you notice that Timov is vomit spelled backwards? <laughs> yes, we did. No, we didn't. <laughs> we actually didn't. But... <laughs> yeah. I didn't until Ian pointed it out, and then everybody else yeah. continued to point it out. So, um, I guess it was mainly the excellent casting for the three characters of Londo's wives, Timov, Daguerre, and Mariel, that made this episode so good. Of course, Timov stands out of that group, but in my opinion, it was the first time that three guest characters could nearly steal the main cast's light. The dialogue with Londo made me laugh out loud, and there are so many good quotes in this episode. So, as Londo said, please, 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 ladies, continue. On the other hand, Stoner was a very typical guest actor and not particularly good, but that goes also for his story. I don't know why he did not manipulate everybody around him all the time. Why play this stupid game making Garibaldi mad if you don't want to get caught? I mean, it must have been clear that you don't make the security chief of the space station notice you, and in a bad way, when you want to go on scene. And I don't get what his whole plan was being on the station in the first place. To get Talia back to Psycor? Maybe okay, Sheridan... Can, can, I, yeah. can I ask a question here? Um, when they were kind of talking at the end and I kept zoning out, were they speculating that the Psychors sent him to um, mate with her, or were they saying that that's what they believed? I think that was their theory. Yeah, and Stoner's reactions were kind of confirming it for them, although he never actually said anything. It was just, okay. yeah, he was evading the subject, so that was reinforcing what they thought was going on. Okay, so basically what we're supposed to think is that the Psychor, because he has this empathic ability now, what sent him to get Talia back to mate with her to create new empathic people. Right. Which makes no sense, because why do they need Talia? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But okay. Maybe they know or have suspicions that she has those extra powers. Mm. Yeah, they said that he and Talia are genetically compatible, so there's a greater chance that they would produce a okay. telepathic child. Okay. Okay. Although Maybe technically, she... everyone's technically genetically compatible. We're all humans. Maybe size have a different DNA or something. Or maybe they maybe they're specific maybe they're looking at it. They've like done genetic mapping or whatever, and can say you know like they can say these two people will probably have a blue eyed child. Mm-hmm. They're saying right. these two people will probably Recessive have genes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, these two people are most likely to produce another empath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something, mm. yeah. Anyway, 
Um, maybe Sheridan was right, and he was working for Psychor and was trying to lure Talia back to Earth. But this was very clumsy. If they wanted her back, wouldn't they just give her orders to come back? And then she would go missing somehow. I mean, isn't that what happens to people who the Psychor has other plans for? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then it couldn't be in the episode. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and what's Franklin's deal? Can I be blunt with you, Mr. Ambassador of a very important race? Stick it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what you say to an ambassador, and above all, someone that has very powerful allies. Luckily, Londo is one that doesn't easily get offended. Yeah, because all that was was a setup for Londo's line of, and I didn't know we were married or whatever it was. Yeah, I guess because, you know, he has information Londo doesn't have. So I think we're supposed to see from, you know, Franklin's point of view, it makes sense that what he just said would anger him because, you know, she did just save his life. But And Franklin you know. says what he thinks a lot, too, it seems like. He doesn't always care about tact. No. He, He's kind of arrogant and thinks that, you know, his opinion is, needs to be said, I guess. And that people care what he thinks. Right. <laughs> yeah. The side story with Dylan was funny in the beginning. I can relate to a bad hair day. A bit forced funny in the end. I remember my teenage self watching this episode for the first time. It was like, ah, too much information. <laughs> but hey, it is actually quite interesting. She changed in some more ways than we would have thought. And it actually brings up some quite interesting questions. But more important, how does that work with the hair curlers and her head crest? <laughs> yeah. She's so, I have wondered that for 20 years. She like, has to style, she, like, has to style her bottom hair and her top hair completely, you know, separately. Right. <laughs> and find a hairstyle that works with it. Yeah, because I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Is she looping her bottom hair up over her crest, pinning it in and letting it drop back down over? Or is she have, does she have one really long piece at the top that she's styling into place and then letting drop over her crest? What's going on? Prediction, yes. yeah. Just don't think about it. <laughs> it's, her hair is very important. It is. <laughs> All right, favorite quote we've talked about. It's the marriage lack of communication. Favorite alien, Timov. Uh, the combination Londo-Timov would make for a good sitcom. Oh, you got the oh right yes, it would. And, yes. then you have, <laughs> and then you have Kodap as a guest star. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't mention Kodap. Um, favorite human, Garibaldi. His radar for the bad guys is just amazing. I give it 8 out of 10 vomits. Keep the great work up, and sorry for not reviewing for a few weeks. The not-too-often-but-sometimes-traveling Anka from Vancouver, British Columbia. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. uh, Thanks, everybody. I keep forgetting to say this, but if you want to send us feedback, send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com, or you can leave us an iTunes review, or leave us a comment on the website, or leave us a comment on Facebook, and you'll hear it on the show. Yeah, and you don't have to wait for us to cover the previous episode. If there's something you really want to say about an upcoming episode, just make sure you mark it as spoilers and send it in. As long as it's fully marked as spoilers, we'll read it when the time comes. Yep. Right on. Now it's time for episode predictions or series predictions. The name of the next episode is A Race Through Dark Places. Oh, 
<laughs> well, must have to do with Talia. <laughs> right. Yeah. I already mentioned yeah. that. Right. Um, well, just based on the title, I would like to predict that it uh, has something to do with um, pod racing. And... <laughs> Okay. How do you go pod racing? Uh, no, I'd rather that this is other characters. Whatever's going on with her can be the B plot. Um, <laughs> let's see. They can't go down to the planet that they're by, so um, maybe they uh, jump out into space somewhere and find another planet, and <laughs> they go pod racing there. <laughs> Sounds good. I bet Londo would be a good pod racer. Oh yeah, and he would have a purple, <laughs> purple, uh, <laughs> purple yeah. pod. Yes, it would be fabulous. Oh yes, he'd also have a really airfoil as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of, I mean, we've kind of already talked about how it might have to do with Talia and the Psychor, so I don't really want to guess along those lines because it sounds like feels like a cheating. So. Um, what was the name of it again? A race through dark places. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't beat the pod racing one. <laughs> that was a work of genius. Um, with Talia, though, the dark places. It could maybe be something about that whole serial killer thing. That ooh yeah. Like uh, she goes into a dark mind or something. Yeah, it could be. Or I mean, she goes I feel like they've already sort of done it, but maybe deeper. Yeah, they have, and unfortunately it was really short and we didn't get much of it, you know? Right. Like, I would love to know more about how they do that whole thing where... Because um, he, he didn't get that punishment. He was going to get that punishment, but then he ended up getting killed by that machine. So we never saw how they rewrite somebody's brain to basically start them over again. I would love to see that sometime. Mm-hmm. You know, where she has to go in and take take away. That's interesting because that would really bring up the question of, you know, what is what is killing somebody? Is it killing their body or is it killing their personality and mind? Because essentially what they're doing is they're killing him. They're killing his brain. I don't know where I'm, why I'm getting into this, but I just thought it was interesting. Um, but I, I'm assuming we're going to see Tim off again just because... She seems to be a really popular character, and she's fabulous, so hopefully we see her again. Yeah, I hope so. She needs to, like, come back and just put Londo in his place. Yeah, lot. when Londo when Lando becomes emperor, yeah. she'll have a higher profile <laughs> role. Yeah. Oh. She could be an empress. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, so, yes, I know that the the last scene with Delenn and Ivanova was just supposed to be like a funny shock horror kind of moment, but it really does bring up interesting questions. She's apparently um, very much human-like and hmm. has maybe human reproductive organs and Yeah, we could have a human Mimbari child. Yeah. I could definitely see that happening. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because it's interesting what parts they keep, you know, because she still sweats or excretes solution like a Mimbari. She still has the crest in her hair. But yet, yeah, like what, because if they make her have human reproductive organs, that's an interesting choice because then it means she can only reproduce, I don't know, Well, it means that... Perhaps. 
it means that she can reproduce as a human, but it doesn't necessarily mean that she can't reproduce as a well, Mimbari, yeah. because we don't know That's how <laughs> Mimbari reproduce. That is true. I like that. Which, yeah. Instead of a throwaway line, like our throwaway line about uh, the marriage <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that we that we clung to, maybe right. that throwaway line will actually come into fruition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and now Sinclair, her husband, is gone, and now she could actually reproduce with him, and he's nowhere to be seen. Yep. Hmm. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really have much for the next episode. Sorry. Yeah, and that's pretty much all I have for the overall. Gotta get back to the space spiders at some point. Space spiders! See, I didn't even predict anything about them because we didn't see anything about them and the spider in the web and nothing here. Right. I'm just depressed about it. I'm always sad when you don't mention the space spiders. (laughs) There's nothing new to predict, I guess. I know, there's nothing new. (laughs) All right. Well, Erica, thanks for coming on the show today. It was great having you on. It was my pleasure. We'll come back next have season. To come back. I will. Oh, you have to. I really will. I've already planned out what episode I want. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which I will not say because yeah. spoilers, but you know. Oh, good, good. Yeah, it's always interesting to see what people choose. I know the ones that people will fight over. We should have like a death match. <laughs> Take donations. Oh, yes. you know what? That's a good idea. I'm setting up a <laughs> PayPal account. So we take bribes. Can... That's what that is. That's bribes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call it bribes. Call it it's incentive. A donation. It's an incentive to donate. We're very centauri-like in that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we can pay people to come on the ones. That people don't want to come on. Yes. Uh, Is there anywhere, Erica, we can find you on the web? No, um, it's just me. I'm on Twitter, on Tumblr, um, as Queen Ricky. I came up with that when I was a teenager, and I just never changed it. So Mm -hmm. so I'm everywhere. You're in the Facebook group. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. I just keep wanting to say spoilers. <laughs> it's hard. It's like uh, 20 years worth of memories. All right. That's all we have for this week, everybody. We'll be back next time for A Race Through Dark Places. Until then, goodbye. Stroke off. <laughs> Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.